hands to a common goal um, and um, uh, we become unaccountable independent Christians. And um, uh, in fact, we're going to look at some of those things. Uh, I don't know if we'll get to it today or not, but it's in here in Philippians. It talks a little bit about that. Uh, and so, you know, things like that, you know, it, it, it bothers me not because I'm, I'm concerned about my my doctrine because, I, you know, I, I went through and listened to it. And they give no book, chapter, and verses for their, their concepts, their ideas. Or they're mostly just ideas. Well, you know, Jesus wouldn't want us to spend all this money on a building. Is Jesus, is he like mortgaged or something? Is he like in debt that he can't afford a building? I mean, is, is Jesus limited in his ability to bless us and prosper us? I mean, is there any, I thought, uh, I thought the earth was the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, and, and so... You know, there, there's all kinds of concepts like that 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 imply that God is constrained in how much he has to. And it's really not a whole lot of money, you know, in the great scheme of things. Um, you know, talking about these billionaires, they've got a, you know, a, a five million dollar jet airplane or or two of them. Uh, and, you know, if you have a five million dollar airplane, you probably spend five hundred thousand to a million dollars a year just in maintenance. And they do that all the time. Right. Well, we don't spend a million dollars in maintenance on a building, right? So, uh, and even large churches don't do that either. So, um, so, uh, I mean, I, people do whatever they want to, of course. But, um, um, you know, I'm always concerned when, when people try to attack uh, things that, that, have been, that have been, you know, kind of ingrained, not just the culture of the church, but, you know, we've been doing this really for 2,000 years. You know, the church in, in Jerusalem was... You know, they estimate as many as 80,000 people. You think they all met in somebody's house? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they meet in somebody's house. You don't invite your closest 80,000 friends to your house, you know, tomorrow for breakfast. Uh, and you remember they had to have, uh, that's when they assigned the deacons in Acts chapter 6, right, to wait on the tables for the widows. You want all the widows to come to your house and to set up tables so they can just eat? What about all the other 75,000 people, you know, that aren't widows? And they've got to eat too, right? Um, and so uh, you don't think that they were organized and completely organized and, and set all that stuff up. Uh, and, you know, they were right. And same thing with Antioch. It was a very large church. You know, the Bible does talk about some churches were home churches and that's fine. Right. Uh, every church starts somewhere. Some churches start home churches and they end up growing out of it and becoming a much larger organization. Uh, and um, uh, and, you know, I know lots of churches that uh, started in, as home churches. Uh, and so. Um, I'm just real cautious when, you know, when I see the church going in a kind of a major direction and everything seems to be working fine. Right. I mean, all these churches, people are love the Lord, are, are gathering together in these individual churches and they have common goals and and um, and striving to advance the kingdom of God. And um, and so, you know, it's not my job to judge another church what it's doing. That's between them and the Lord. Uh, but as far as I can tell, we're all on the same team. Right. We're all heading for the same goal. And then you get someone who comes along. So all of you all are wrong. Anytime I hear somebody say all of you are wrong, I'm, I'm, I really question it. And I would have to dig deep to find out. I mean, maybe they're correct. I mean, because we could all be wrong. Right. And so then so then I'll, I'll you know, on occasion, not all the time, because most of the time it's just foolishness. But on occasion, I will stop and listen to what they have to say. Uh, and it's as often not just kind of opposition research to find out, you know, what, what are these people? They're saying all of us are wrong, but how could we all be wrong? How could a billion people just be wrong? And suddenly you've got revelation that nobody else has had in the last 2000 years. That seems to be really unusual to me. And if you look at, you know, the doctrine of, of even Pentecost and, you know, the great uh, the great men and women of God that have gone before us, you know, they really built upon the foundation of everybody that come before them, even as much revelation as Brother Hagin left us, you know. And of course, the Lord's always had me to follow Brother Hagin. But even his doctrine, he, he didn't he wasn't saying like, for 2,000 years, the church was 100% wrong. No, he still built upon the blood of Jesus, salvation, you know, uh, grace, you know, justification, redemption, uh, you know, righteousness. He just built upon uh, doctrines that had been well established in a church for thousands of years. Uh, and then, you know, he added to that, but it wasn't like a hard right. It was, you know, here's the foundation. Well, let's make sure we get back to, you know, for example, speaking in tongues. Well, that's been around since the first church, right? So even though he gave us some revelation of that and helped to reestablish that, you know, he was, you know, a hundred years after it was really established back in the church. But he gave us more insight and wisdom in, the, in the, those areas. You know, it wasn't like taking a hard right and say all of the church is wrong. Right. Uh, and on occasion, he would have to, especially as in the office of the prophet, 
he would have to correct some of the church where they would say things like, well, if it, uh, if it be thy will, Lord, then heal them. And he would go through and show why in the word of God that that's, that's poor doctrine, right? Uh, and he, so he wasn't really changing anything. He was changing what some of the traditions of the church where we would say things like that. Uh, you know, one of the traditions of the church is anybody got an unspoken prayer request? You know, isn't, you ever seen that in churches, right? And yet that's 100% unbiblical. Because there's no biblical foundation for that doctrine, right? There's no biblical foundation for uh, uh, when you gather together as a church, if, if anyone has an unspoken prayer request, let them raise their hand in silence and let them all pray for who knows what, right? Because <laughs> you know, there's, there's no doctrine. Because clearly, uh, if two or three are going to gather together uh, and, and agree on something, we would have to know what the agreement is, right? You ever said, said hey, just sign this. Well, what is it? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Just sign it, right? Would you ever do that? Yeah, you know, you know, uh, you know, can, you know, someone come up and say, hey, will you do something for me? A- and, you know, well, I need to know what it was. No, you have to say yes first. Well, I'm going to say yes for you. You know, <laughs> one of us is stupid and not me. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, so, you know, the, the on occasion in the church, you know, as long as the church has been around, really, as long as human beings are around, we, we on a regular basis need adjustments, corrections. But to take the church in a whole to say a billion people are wrong. That's a pretty strong statement, right? And I mean, it'd be like some fundamental, you know, like righteousness is not our right standing with the Lord. It's something different. Well, uh, Baptists preach righteousness, you know, uh, Presbyterians preach righteousness, Pentecostals preach righteousness. And, you know, uh, I think we may have, in my opinion, might have a little more insight into that area. But it's all fundamentally the same that it came from Jesus. It wasn't it wasn't our own works. Right. And the vast majority of the church believes that. And someone comes along and says, well, all of you are wrong. You know, I'd have to really. I would really question that, right? And yet, it's been my observation that, that so many times in the church, people would just leave. And somebody comes through town with some newfangled doctrine, and, and, and people would just leave the church they've been into forever, been in forever, and go follow this, this new thing. Uh, and it's like, well, doesn't that concern you that it's this brand new thing that nobody else has ever done before? Um, uh, and so, uh, you know, to me, I'm just a little skeptical when I when I... When I see somebody, because part of when I, when I listen to somebody, you know, some things that are important to me is like, well, where'd you come from? You know, who, uh, who has taught you what you know, right? Uh, even if you've got some new things, and we all have new things, I believe, because we all have the Holy Ghost. But the fundamentals of what you know, where did you get them from? Uh, you know, I mean, Paul got it directly from the Lord, right? He said he didn't, he didn't, uh, uh, he got his revelation directly from the Lord Jesus, but Paul was an exception, right? He was not the rule. That's not how the vast majority of the church gets the revelation. The vast majority of the church gets the revelation from the fivefold ministry gifts. I mean, if even the fivefold ministry gifts primarily get their revelation from the apostle and the prophet, according to Ephesians chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 3. There's two verses that talk about that, that he's revealed things to the apostles and prophets. It doesn't say he reveals them to the, to the pastor, to the evangelist, or to the teacher. I mean, even the teacher, you think of all people that the Lord would reveal doctrine to the teacher but he doesn't reveal doctrine to teach now he he does but it's not you know significant changes of doctrine or significant new revelation that the church has forgotten about or hasn't reused just like the authority of the believer right uh, that's been doctrine since jesus was raised from the dead but as far as the church walking in that doctrine we've not walked in that doctrine really in, except for the last 50 years and primarily because brother hagan brought that back into into the church as revelation well, the Lord gave that revelation to Brother Hagin, and then he disseminated it into the church. Well, now I can teach it because now I understand what Brother Hagin was saying. So I can teach it as a teacher of the word of God. But the Lord didn't give me that revelation. He gave that revelation to a prophet. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, there are things that the Lord would give to all of us. I believe all of us can get revelation from the Lord. But as far as things that, that really resets the church and gets the church back on track, gets the church in the right direction where maybe we've been out of balance, you know, uh, those things typically will come from the apostle and the prophet. Amen. Uh, because first of all, there's no new doctrine. The Lord's not going to give any any minister gift a new doctrine because the, the word of God is sealed. Uh, it is what it is. There's not going to be any new any new doctrine. Right. Well, you know, uh, and that should help you understand why the entire movement of the Mormon church is completely 100 percent wrong, because, well, we got this new New Testament. You know, we got the Old Testament the New Testament and this new New Testament. Well, see, that's wrong, right? Because once the last book of the Bible was sealed, the book of Revelation, then that's the last new revelation we get. Everything we get will be revelation from within those those boundaries. And we're and uh, have we exhausted that revelation yet? No, we'll, we'll spend the rest of eternity probably uh, gleaning revelation from the word of God as it's been given to us so far. So 
All of those things, you know, all of that started because we're preaching from a, a temporary uh, place here, right? So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as a, as a pastor, uh, it, it, uh, my heart does go out to people that I see wander off after folks like that. Because, you know, if they ask my opinion, which they never do, right? They just leave and then you never hear from them again. And, and then you, you look at their spiritual life 10 years from now and they haven't progressed. Because they went off and did something that's not biblical and... Um, you know, and, and part of it is, you know, there, there's a there's a natural rebellion in all humanity, right? All humanity has rebellion in it because of the sin nature. And, you know, sometimes we can use that rebellion and apply it in a good way if it's good rebellion, because we should all rebel against sin. Right. We should all rebel against evil. Uh, and so in that regard, you know, that that's OK. Right. Um, but uh, but sometimes, especially in our society, because our whole society of America was built upon rebellion, right? We uh, went in a course of human events, right? To, it, it's, uh, uh, it's necessary to, to dissolve the bands, you know, of, of one nation to another, uh, the Declaration of Independence. And so, you know, we were kind of built on that. And that's kind of our, that's kind of our mentality, right? And, and, and I think that's good to an extent. You know, we don't, we, uh, the vast majority of Americans don't want to be told what to do, you know, and don't want a super heavy government, even though we are, nowadays our government is, is way heavier than, than the original designers uh, ever intended it to be. Uh, but we don't like being told what to do. Uh, and, you know, in some cases that's okay. And, and in some cases, because uh, we like to be told what to do as long as it lines up with, with the Word of God. But many times it gets outside the Word of God where you've got to accept sin. All of you all need to accept sin. And that comes from the government, right? All of his sin is perfectly fine and perfectly normal. Well, it's not perfectly fine. It's not perfectly normal. And so we will rebel against that, right? We will rebel against uh, the, the commandment that thou shalt accept all sin as being normal and okay. Uh, and so, but sometimes we take that rebellion and we don't want to be accountable to anybody or anything. Uh, and that makes for a very unsafe Christian walk. Because if you think that, that you can do everything on your own, it's really not very wise, right? We need each other, amen? We need to see each other. We need to be around each other because just being around each other will help us. And we'll see what the Word of God says uh, in this regards here as we go on in just a, a little bit here. But um, uh, so all of that is being said. Uh, the building's coming along good. Um, uh, so this week they'll finish up um, some more flooring. Uh, next week they'll start doing HVAC. And really, once the HVAC gets in there, uh, that's almost uh, good enough for us to be in there even if everything's not done, right? Uh, and so we'll see, uh, even if we don't have everything put together, you know, we might just leave everything on a cart there on our, on our sound booth cart and, and um, have church with our sound booth cart. And if that's what it takes, but we can still be in the building. Right. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. And, and so I'm hoping that uh, a week from this Sunday, we can have our first service back in the building there. Right. So um, and so praise God, we'll get there. Amen. And the Lord is good. And all is well. Right. Uh, anybody mad about it? You know, you can be mad about it and let it finish its course or you can be not be mad about it and still let it finish its course. Right. So either way, it's going to it's going to get done when it gets done. Amen. So all is well. Well, why don't we pray and we'll get into the word tonight. So, Father, we do thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, that you've spent so much time and energy and and wisdom, Father, to protect it and watch over it. Father, all of these centuries to get it into the hands of, of your people, Father, so that we can grow in faith and that you can reveal yourself through your word and by your spirit. And so we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We'll continue there today. So uh, if, if you recall a couple of weeks ago when we were here last, uh, we had finished up in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and it, where it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Uh, and so uh, was Jesus a victim? Did, did they kill him? Uh, 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 and uh, against his will. That's what I was trying to say. That they killed Jesus against his will. They did not kill Jesus against it because he said he became obedient unto death. So he chose to allow himself to die on the cross. Amen. Uh, and that's a little bit of a distinction from, from you and me because Jesus had a body that was not subject to death. He had an immortal body, right? He had an immortal body because it didn't have the sin nature in it because the sin nature comes from the father and, and the creation of, of men on the earth. And so since Jesus father was the father God in heaven, the father God didn't pass on to him a sin nature. And so Jesus had a body that uh, 
an, for all uh, appearances, looked like ours, right? He, he was, you know, had arms and legs and head and hair and eyes and nose and all of that. So it was exactly the same body uh, from, a, from an outward appearance. But uh, from a spiritual standpoint, it didn't have the sin nature in it, which allowed it to be an immortal body. So the only way that it would, could die is if he chose to subject himself to death, right? If he chose to allow himself to die. Uh, and so otherwise, he'd still be here with us, right? In fact, if Adam hadn't sinned, Adam would be here with us today. He, he was not subject to death until he chose to sin because the Lord uh, told him in the, book, in the book of Genesis that don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, for in doing, for in doing that, thou shalt die. Uh, and in the Hebrew, it really says, in dying, thou shalt die, uh, which meant that uh, you're going to die immediately spiritually. You will be separated from the life of God immediately, and eventually you'll die physically. So it took you know, roughly about eight, eight to nine hundred years, about eight hundred years for Adam to die physically after he sinned uh, in his body. Uh, and so uh, but he did die. Right. Uh, and everybody else after Adam died uh, until you got to Jesus. And so Jesus was called the, the, the last Adam, second man, the last Adam. And so he he was in essence exactly the same boat that Adam was when he was created on the earth. Uh, he had a body uh, that was not subject to death, just like Adam had. Uh, and so uh, the only way for Jesus to die was for him to choose to accept death, and which he did, right? He did it, and, and he says, we read this scripture there in uh, John chapter 10, that uh, he said, I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. And uh, that was in, in John 10, 18. Uh, and, so, uh, and so he's kind of setting this up because Jesus had a, a plan and a goal, right? So his goal wasn't to die, right? That wasn't, that wasn't the end goal. That was a step in the direction to get to the end goal, right? So if you remember, we had read uh, Galatians uh, 3.14. In fact, I think it's good just to read that particular verse there because uh, Galatians 3.14 is really the end game of redemption. And, and if people could understand this, uh, uh, you know, one thing I do when I read the Word of God, uh, uh, what I'm reading, whether I'm reading the Old Testament or reading the New Testament, I'm always putting everything I read in the framework of redemption. How is this driving towards redemption? How is this getting us towards redemption? So everything in the Old Testament, everything in the Gospels was leading up to redemption. And so as you read the word of God, you should read, okay, uh, these laws that, you know, uh, Exodus, and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, those laws are all there to sustain the, 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 the people of God until uh, the Lord gets here to complete redemption. So a lot of those laws were there only to keep them alive long enough as a, as a nation in order to uh, allow the word of God to come in, a lot of the, the Lord Jesus to come into the earth. Uh, and so if you'll read all of the word of God in the, from a standpoint of how is this getting us towards redemption? So I know um, uh, there, there's some study guides that will show, um, uh, I forget exactly how they phrase it, but uh, it's like the red ribbon of Christ through the Old Testament. And they'll show how all the Old Testament is driving towards the Lord Jesus. But they're missing the point just a little bit because that, that it, is, it is true that, the, that it's, it's driving towards the Lord Jesus, but it's really driving towards the completion of redemption. And so there's other things other than just the appearance of the Lord Jesus. There's his death, his resurrection, right? And, 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 but then really you get down to uh, Galatians 3.14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so that last pr phrase, that we would receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, that's the end game of redemption, right? So it wasn't the cross, it wasn't the shed blood of Jesus, it wasn't even the name of Jesus, it was that he wanted to get the Spirit of God in us. And then he was going to equip us with the blood of Jesus, equip us with the grace of God, equip us with the name of Jesus. But the end game was to get the Spirit of God in you and to get the Spirit of God in me. In order to do that, he had to take care of sin by the blood. He had to take care of the, the uh, Spirit to be born again by, by dying spiritually. You know, all those things he had to take care of. But the end game was to get the Spirit of God on the inside of us. And that's what makes Christianity unique from all other religions, right? We're the only religion that has the Spirit of the, the Creator on the inside of us. Uh, and, you know, the other ones have other spirits, you're up, but this is a little different. Right. Uh, and so. Uh, so this is the end game. So if you if you would read the word of God with this in mind, his he wants to get the spirit of God in us. That's what he wants to do. And he spent all of the Old Testament, all the, the 39 books of the Old Testament and uh, striving to get the the spirit of God in us. And the, and, and so 
there's a lot of prophecies, especially in Ezekiel and some in Jeremiah that talks about that he's going to put, uh, uh, put a heart of flesh in us. Uh, and so let's talk about getting a new spirit. But then it also says he's going to put his spirit within us. Uh, and, and so there's prophecy. So that's not talking about Jesus, but it's talking about the spirit. So everything's driving towards the end of redemption, which is Galatians 3.14. Uh, and, and so uh, that, that makes us people that are empowered with the, the power of God and the spirit of God. So, so that's a good thing, right? So G, in order to do that, then, of course, uh, um, uh, back to Philippians chapter 2. So Paul is explaining that, right, that in order for Jesus to die, uh, uh, and so uh, he, in order for Jesus to finish redemption, he had to die. But it's really important that Jesus died uh, on his own terms. Because if he died uh, because he had sinned, Right. It's like Adam died because he sinned. Right. Every human being on the earth uh, other than Jesus died because of their sin, because they made a mistake somewhere and that death came in into their life. So Jesus had to make sure that when he died, he was not guilty so that and we're not going to go into all the details, but but part of the end game of redemption. And, and uh, I really want to put this all this information in a book because I think it'd be helpful. Uh, but part of the part of the end game of redemption was to retrieve the authority back from the devil, right? So the devil, we know the devil had the authority on the earth to operate legally because he got that from Adam, right? Uh, and remember, he said in Luke chapter 4, all this authority have I received, and I'm going to give it to you, Jesus. Well, who did he receive it from? He received it from Adam, right? So he got the authority to operate in the earth, right? He didn't own the earth, but he had the authority to operate in the earth legally because he got that from Adam because he got Adam to violate his, his position, and by, by him, Adam doing that, he submitted himself to the devil and the devil took what he wanted from uh, from Adam, which was the authority. So Jesus had to really do the exact same thing. He couldn't take the authority back from the devil, just beat him up and take it because the devil got it legally. Right. I mean, he snookered Adam, but, you know, Adam handed it over legally. Right. It was Adam's to give. The Lord said, take dominion over the earth. So, I, so in other words, I give you authority in the earth. I give you, Adam, authority to operate in the earth. And I said, okay, I'm going to take that authority. I'm going to give it to the devil, which is not exactly what he said, but what he ended up doing, right? He took what was given to him and he gave it to somebody else. So if I give you a dollar, can I tell you what to do with that dollar? Sometimes we like to, right? You ever been given a dollar and you look and it's like, what's this right here? What's that string? Where's it go? It goes back to me, right? So you can't do with a dollar what I want unless I tell you what to do. Well, that's not really giving me a dollar. That's letting me touch a dollar, right? And then you get to tell me what to do with it, you know? um, And so... um, in fact, uh, one time uh, uh, when Brother Hagen was a, was a pastor, um, uh, someone came up and said, uh, we need to know uh, where all you spend your money as the pastor of the church. He said, well, you tell me where all you spend your money and I'll tell you where I spend all my money. Uh, and he goes, uh, just never mind, right? Uh, you know, and so, I mean, if you give and you do, you give me, you give me a, a, an income each month uh, from the church. Is it any of your business what I, what I spend that money on? You know, unless it's like some public sin, right? When then, but even that, you know, it's still my money, right? And, and then you would have to deal with, with me as an individual otherwise. But, but if I want to go down and, and get a cheeseburger, you know, are you going to say, no, you can't eat that cheeseburger. You get, get one over here. You know, can you do that? Well, you could try, right? But I'd look at you like, you know, well, that's really none of your business, right? Uh, and so, um, so, uh, so Adam gave that authority over to the devil because it, was, it belonged to him, right? Now, he couldn't give the earth because the Bible always says that the earth is the, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So Adam didn't own the earth, but he owned the authority in the earth. And so it was his to give. Well, I'm going to delegate that authority to the devil because by, by submitting to him, by doing what he basically uh, had me to do, uh, the devil was able to take it from him. So Jesus essentially had to do the same thing. He had to get the devil to uh, over... Uh, overextend his authority by doing something that was beyond his authority and by doing that submitting to Jesus uh, and handing that authority over to Jesus so the way he did that was this verse right here where he said that he made himself obedient unto death so he didn't die because he had done something that was illegal some kind of a sin he chose to submit himself unto death so uh, up to that time everybody that had died had died because of sin, right? Every single human being that had died had died because they had, somewhere along the way they committed a sin and, and that caused death to rise up in their life and eventually would overtake their physical bodies and they would expire on the earth. Uh, and, and those that 
that died outside of the faith of the Messiah ended up going to hell. The, the uh, small group of people that believed in the Messiah of the Old Testament, uh, although they died, they still believed in the Messiah that was to come. So they got some credit, right? So they couldn't go to heaven because they weren't born again yet. But they couldn't they, they weren't qualified to go to hell because they believed in the Messiah. And so like Abraham, it was counted unto them as righteousness. So they went to that place that called Abraham's bosom. Uh, and so. So then uh, Jesus dies by his own choice, but the devil sees it. And, and uh, I think we read this the other day in Second Corinthians uh, five twenty one says that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. So he looked just like sin. He was made to be sin, right? So all the sins of the world came upon him and he died. And so uh, if, if he was made to be sin, then when he died, what do you think he's going to look like? He's going to look like sin, right? Well, if you look like sin, that's pretty close to actually doing sin, right? It's not the same, but it kind of looks the same. And if you're not really smart like the devil, because, I mean, you can't be that smart if you rebel against the Lord, right? Which makes us all kind of in the same boat, right? Not very bright. But, uh, and so uh, Jesus dies on the cross and the devil knows that he's got an immortal body. And so for Jesus to die, the devil had to think, well, he must have done something wrong. He must have, in one of these sins, maybe I didn't notice or catch it because I don't have revelation like God does. I'm going to assume that because he looks like sin and because he actually did die, even though he had an immortal body, then I'm going to assume that he had done something uh, worthy of death. And I'm going to take him into hell. So he did, right? He, Jesus died on the cross uh, and then his Spirit separated from his body, just like ours does. Where did his spirit go? Went down into hell, the region of the damned, right? So, so not, not in Abraham's bosom, which was very close right there in hell, uh, but it was in the place of torment, the place of the region of the damned, where all the people that went that weren't part of the covenant of Israel uh, and didn't believe in the Messiah or the Jehovah God. Uh, and so Jesus went down there because he had submitted himself to death. He chose to be obedient to death. And so he's there for three days and, and somehow and, and the great uh, and the great mind of the judge of the earth and the, in the father's mind, uh, he had determined that three days was sufficient. You know, why not two days? Why not four days? Well, and as the judge of all mankind, the Lord Jesus or the, the father God determined that three days was sufficient. So you think Jesus was down in hell sipping Kool-Aid and, and uh, 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 eating uh, bonbons? No, it was the place of torment, right? So he was tormented, uh, I can imagine, uh, uh, beyond, uh, beyond words, right? Beyond imagination. Uh, because who's the devil mad at the most? The Lord Jesus, because uh, he rebelled against the Lord Jesus. And the Lord Jesus sent, sent Michael, you know, not even himself, sent Michael, you know, to throw the devil out of, out of, the, uh, out of the, the kingdom of heaven uh, and cast him out of, of heaven. And so, the, you know, the devil is heaping upon Jesus for three days and three nights uh, because Jesus made himself obedient to the death. So that fooled the devil and it fooled the devil enough to think that it was OK to take Jesus. Well, by doing that, he exceeded his. He had no authority to bring someone who had not committed a sin into hell. And so he violated every, everybody else that he brought into hell. He had perfect authority to do that. Right. Did you accept the Messiah as your God? No. Well, then you have to come in here with us and, and go into the place of torment. Um, and so, uh, so in order for, for that, uh, in order for Jesus to finish up redemption, one of, one of the things, so this isn't everything, this is just one part of it. He had to get the devil to exceed his authority by taking somebody who was not qualified to go to hell into hell. And by doing so, then, then he left and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave, right? He took the keys out which represents authority. So now how much authority does the devil have to operate in the earth? He has no legal authority to operate in the earth, but uh, that's the same thing. Does the mafia still operate in the earth? Do they have a legal authority to operate in the earth? No, they're criminal empires, right? And so uh, they were still any criminal empire that, that is allowed to manifest itself and allowed to rule and reign in a, in a location will do so until a higher authority that's stronger than them will throw them out of power, right? Uh, and so the devil will operate uh, as an illegal element in the earth as long as people allow him to do that. Amen. And so people can give the devil authority to operate in their lives. Even Christians can, can give the devil authority to operate in their lives. But he doesn't have uh, the authority to do it on his own. He has to get a human being to grant him authority or he has to do it as a criminal element until the church says that's enough. Right. And when the church says that's enough, 
then he has to obey, right? Uh, because we have the name of Jesus. And so, so all of that, that's a lot wrapped up in that one verse, right? Being made obedient unto death. Uh, and so, uh, and, uh, and I'd like to go through what I'd like to do just in a book form is, is kind of lay all that out uh, and, and show how all that transpired and, and why that's valuable to us. Because it's helpful to know these things because a lot of the church doesn't have a strong confidence in their redemption as they should. They think that it's us, you know, we're pretty strong, but devil's pretty strong too. And, you know, it's neck and neck, but, you know, we'll win eventually, but, you know, it's going to be really close. It's not, it's, it's, it's you know, a hundred thousand miles away. The devil is, is, is so small compared to the power of the church. And yet sometimes the church thinks it's pretty close. Well, it's not even close at all, right? Uh, and, and if we would learn what the word says about these things and understand what the word says about these things, it would be of great value to us in our, in our faith. Amen. Uh, and so, so because Jesus was willing to do verse 8, right? And it really not just verse 8, but remember we started verse 5. Verse 5 through 8 is what Jesus did. Let this mind be in you, right? So Jesus chose to, his, in his mind, his mind was, Father, whatever you need me to do. Right. That was it. What it was his mind. Right. Uh, he says over in, a couple of times in the book of Hebrews, I came to do thy will, O God. That was his mind. Right. I came to do your will. And he said, let this mind be in you. So the question for us is in your mind is your mind, Lord, whatever you want me to do. That that was what was in the mind of the Lord Jesus. Right. I came to do thy will, O God. That was his. He said, and, and so Paul is admonishing us. Let this mind be in you, whatever it takes. Right. And, and that's the question for a lot of the churches. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? If the Lord says, get up and pray early, stay up and pray late, study, you know, preach, wh- whatever it is, right? And Well, I'll preach, Lord, but as long as I don't have to travel very far. Right? I'll preach, Lord, as long as I get a big church. I'll preach, Lord, as long as I get a good salary. I'll preach, Lord, as long as they give me a new car, a new suit. or what. I mean, is that, is that uh, let this mind be in you? No, Jesus said, whatever it takes, right? And so the Lord, the, Lord, the Father God said, well, Whatever it takes is you've got to you've got to lay aside all that you are as God. You just lay it aside. You're still God, but you can lay aside all that power. You're not, you're not going to take advantage of that. And you got to go and become a, a, a limited man and live in a limited body. You know, before that, he could be anywhere and everywhere at the same time because he's God. But now he's Jesus in a physical body. He can only be one place at a time. Right. Now, he could he could walk on water in that place, but he couldn't walk on water at that place and walk on water someplace else at the same time. Right. So he was limited in that fashion. And so. So for us, are we willing to let this mind be in us, whatever it takes? And so uh, part of what that was mind in him, God said, I need you to die. I need you to be to become obedient to death. Jesus, no problem. You know, uh, uh, over in. Um, um, uh, let's see if we can find it. I think it's over in First Timothy. Might be in Second Timothy. There, it's in one of those ten- Timothys, right? Uh, I think maybe it's in Second Timothy. Um, yeah. So over in Second Timothy, chapter two, he says in verse twenty-one, he says, "If if a man therefore purge himself from these, and we won't, we don't have time to go into all the details, but in the prior five or six verses." They're just saying, you know, basically carnal things, right? Purge yourself from these carnal things. Uh, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified uh, and meet or useful for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. So this is, let this mind be in you. This is what the mind was in Jesus. His mind was, Lord, I want to be a vessel, sanctified and useful to you. Right? Let this mind be in you, right? So the Lord said, okay, here's what I need you to do. This, 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 this. And Jesus' response was, no problem, right? Uh, so that that makes him useful to the Lord. You ever you ever said, "Hey, I need you to I, I need you to go do this." Well, I want to do that. Well, that's not very useful, right? Uh, you know, um, uh, there was a guy I was working with on a computer one time, and um, it was a computer for the church, and it, you know, it wasn't even a big deal. But uh, um, I said, uh, "Hey, you know, I've got this problem. I need to solve it. You know, can I do this?" No. Well, okay. Well, uh, well. Uh, well, what if we do this? No, you can't do that either. Well, what about this? Well, no, you can't do that. And, and I got really frustrated. I said, well, let's just fill the thing up with cement, throw it over a cliff. Because you're not really helping, right? You're not useful to me here. You're just saying no. And no is not useful. No. I need you to say no. Here's what we should do, right? Because now I'm asking you. I'm asking you as the expert, what should we do, right? Uh, and so a lot of times people like to lord over the fact that they're useful 
but they're not useful, right? They're only useful if they actually are useful. I know that sounds like a like a like a uh, obvious statement there, right? Uh, but uh, you ever know somebody that knows something and hey, can you help me out? No, and they won't tell you right how to do something. Hey, do you know how to do it? Yeah, can you help me? No, she says not very useful, right? They've got the ability, right? So they are they are a vessel, right, that has the ability to do good work. But uh, he said that we need to be prepared to do every good work, right? So. Are we prepared, right? Is that mind in us? See, that mind was in Jesus. He was prepared unto every good work. And the Lord said, here's all the things I need you to do. A list of the whole list of things, right? Go to the earth, uh, hold your breath for 30 years, subject yourself to, to, to uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, go to the temple when you're 12, you know, uh, do all these things. Go to the River Jordan and be baptized. I need, here's a list of things, right? And Jesus, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. Do you give some people a list of things? They're like, oh. That's so long. Uh, it's, oh, that's uh, not that, right? Uh, and, and see, that's not useful. Uh, our, our answer, are, are we servants of the Most High God? Do we have the mind? That it's in, our, our answer should be like Jesus, because he had to, one of his things he had to do was to become obedient to death. Well, in order to be obedient to death, he had to have the mind, that whatever it takes, Lord. So when the Lord said, I need you to become obedient unto death, what was the response of Jesus? No problem. It wasn't, well, that's going to hurt. Well, that's going to make me look bad. You know, people are going to talk. They're going to say, I thought he was the son of God. And then what they said, in fact, oh, yeah. if, you're the, if you're the son of God, come down off the cross. They said that, right? Well, they're talking. They don't, I need to show them I'm the son. They're going to think that I'm not the son of God. Did, he made himself of, of what reputation? No. no reputation. So did people think that he was not the son of God? Sure. Did it keep him from doing the job? No. Let this mind be in you. Uh, you know, you, you can meditate on verses five through eight a long time and get a lot of rich value out of those verses because Jesus had to do so many things in order to complete redemption that were completely opposite of who he was. He was the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the, the son of God. He was God, right? The creator of all that exists. And yet he chose to do all these things because that was his mind. The father, God said, I, here's what here's what we got to do. Here's the plan of redemption. It's going to take. 4,000 years, uh, it's going to take, you know, uh, 100 generations. I don't know how many generations, but a lot of generations to get there. And uh, they're going to mess it up over here. You're going to fix that one. Uh, you know, Joseph is going to lie over here. You're going to fix that, you know. And, and uh, Jacob's going to uh, lie over here. You're going to fix that. And, you know, they're going to make a golden calf. You're going to fix that too. And, uh, you know, he, the Lord, for thousands of years, Jesus was all, okay, i got to go. For that. And then go fix that one. Let me go fix that problem. Because he had to keep it on the rails, right? They kept trying to get it off the rails. And he had to get it. Get it back on the get it back on the rails, right? David went Bathsheba, you know. Oh, well, we got to fix that, you know. And uh, and you know Solomon, the wisest man in the world, became stupid, you know, because of women, and you know, which is not unusual, right? And so, uh, you know, had to fix that, right? Uh, the prophets, you know, Jeremiah cry, you know, they they threw him in a pit, you know, had to fix that, right? I mean, a lot of fixing things for thousands of years, right? And exhausting. You think about doing that for thousands of years, and every one of them could have derailed the entire plan. I mean, hundreds and probably thousands of times mankind could have messed up the whole plan of redemption. Jesus had to go fix it, right? Let me go fix that. We'll fix that. Noah, right? We had to wash everything away, keep the eight people with Noah there. Uh, and and uh, Jonah didn't want to, want to do what he wanted to do, so let me go fix that. And, uh, let this mind be in you. Are you willing to spend 4,000 years to do something for the Lord, right? Uh, see, when I, when I read these verses, I think about me. Right? I think about, Lord... Uh, you said that you want me to be useful, a vessel unto honor, sanctified or set apart, and meet for the master's use. Useful for the master. Right? So when the master says, I need somebody to do something, who could I get to do this? Uh, you know how many people he's going to pass over? Mm. Yeah, I could get them. They could, they, they could do it. Yeah, but they won't. Well, this guy over there, uh, he could do it. Yeah, I've asked him 10 times. He won't do it. This guy, yeah, I, well, I asked him that. He just did it halfway. This guy over here, he, he started, and then he quit. I need somebody useful. Hey, hey, go do this, and I'll be back tomorrow. Right? You remember all the parables in the, new, in the Gospels, right? The talents, right? And the, the, the two sons, and I mean, all kinds of parables. Lord, And a lot of it's talking about being uh, meat for the master's use. Let this mind be. You see, that's what Jesus was. When he came to the earth, he was meat for the master's use. He was useful. To the master, he was useful to God the Father to get something done. 
And only Jesus could do it, right? Because, I mean, none of us could have ever done it, right? None of us were qualified. None of us had the power to do it. Uh, I mean, Jesus, he was the only one that could do it. But the things that we're required to do, are we useful? Are we meet for the master's use? Or is it like pulling teeth? Well, the, this one guy right there, you know, I used to work with this one guy. He's like, I know he could do it. But, I mean, I, if there's any way in the world I could find anybody that could do it, I would do it. I would find them instead of asking this one fella because, it, it, you know, he would lord it over you. Oh, you finally come to me, huh? You can't do it yourself. Well, I guess I'm going to have to help you do it. Then, you know, well, you know, I'm the only one who can do it. I have to, you know, you can't learn things, some things from a book, right? You know, I've learned this from blood, sweat, and tears. Unless you're willing to die like me and, you know, give up blood, blood sweat, and you'll never do it like I have. And you're like, blah, 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 right? You know, that you were called on the earth to do that? Well, then do your job. Yeah. Don't brag about do, being able to do your job. You're, you're called to do your job. You were give, given that gift. Well, you know, uh, uh, we're uh, in, in Second Timothy, go over to First uh, to Corinthians. We'll just uh, go with the flow, right? Uh, over in, uh, um, where did I say to go? Uh, I, uh, I'm in Second Corinthians, right? So we never get there if we get in the wrong place there. We'll see if we can find it here. I think it's in First Corinthians. First Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Let's see. Let's get over there. Oh, yeah. First Corinthians chapter four, verse seven says, who maketh thee to differ from another? So what's the answer to that question? Who makes you different from everybody else? The Lord does. Right. So in other words, he made you unique. Uh, and, and, you know, that's one thing I appreciate about the body of Christ is all of us are unique. All of it. And who, and who made us unique? Who made us that way? The Lord did. Right. It's a rhetorical question, but uh, uh, we know the answer is God. Right. Who made you to differ from one another? Well, the Lord did. In other words, you can do things that nobody else can do, right? And what do you have that, that, that you did not receive? What talent did you have that wasn't given to you? Nothing, right? Every talent was given to us by God, right? So if you've got a talent to do whatever, right? Build a building, make a boat, you know, sing a song, play an instrument, draw a picture, whatever, whatever talent you've got. Well, all I can do is sweep. You know, some people are really good at sweeping. You know, we've got a guy that does our windows. That's a talent. You ever try to wash a window? I mean, you know, when we first got those new windows at the church, I thought, you know, I ain't going to pay nobody to wash no window. I do it myself. You know, I, I spent an hour washing it. It looked like a 12-year-old just, you know, yeah. smeared dirt all over the windows, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, I think, you know, I've got, I've got two engineering degrees. I can't figure out how to wash a window. And the guy that knows how to wash the window goes, oh, they didn't, they didn't do that. It's like he's done the sparkles. You know, you can see all the way to, to uh, you know, to, to the Gulf Coast there, you know, from the windows. Yeah, and I couldn't even do it after spending hours, you know. And, well, that's a talent, right? And, and you know, uh, could I be taught to do that? Maybe. But I can guarantee you this guy, you know, has that. It's a gift that's given, given to him, right? Well, that's not a very important gift, says you, right? I mean, you know, he, that's how he makes a living. That's how he feeds his family. That's a pretty important gift, I think. Uh, and so so who gave it to him? So so he received it, right? He received it as being a gift from the Lord. He said, now, if you did receive it, why do you glory as if you hadn't received it? Why do you act like I'm a self-made man? That's what he's saying, right? Is anybody actually a self-made man? No, because the people that are self-made men were given that talent to rise up and do those economic things, whatever business typically by the Lord to know, see a, see a business opportunity and go, yeah, I can do that. If I do this, this, this right here, I'll make a million dollars. Well, that's a gift, right? Some people look at that same thing and go, it never work. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that's a gift, right? So, so 1 Corinthians 4, 7 is one of my favorite verses because uh, it tells me that we're all unique. It tells me we all, all have value that we can add to the Lord. But the question for us is, do we have the mind of Christ that says, Lord, I want to be a, a, a vessel unto honor, meet for the master's use. When the Lord says, I need somebody to do that, well, I've not even told you what it is. I'll do it, Lord. If, I, if there's any way, I'll do it, Lord. You know, and, and if saying, hey, uh, uh, who's willing to do, to do, th do this? Everybody starts counting ceiling tiles, you know. Oh, not me. This, you know, I, hope they, I, hope they, I hope they do it, right? Uh, and I understand, you know, some things, some people are better than others, right? If I said, well, who, who wants to help me, you know, cut wood for the next three days? Well, most of you are going to say no, right? Uh, but, you know, I know at least a couple people in here that can help me, right? Because uh, we've been doing it all, all week. Uh, and they're good at it, right? Uh, and so, uh, so that's not for everybody, right? Uh, one of the, one issue is it's really heavy and it's really hard work, right? Uh, and so, 
So uh, if you look at Second uh, Timothy chapter two and first Corinthians chapter four and then back to Philippians chapter two, is that mind in us? That we are vessels unto honor, meat for the master's use. Yes, sir. And see, sometimes people are afraid if, if I do that, they're going to take advantage of me. If I do that, you know, then, then they're going to think that, that, uh, uh, that I'm under them or whatever. You know, there's a lot of mind games people play with, with things like that sometimes. Uh, and, and, you know, in my, in my mind, everything I do, I, in fact, I was telling Jared this the other day, everything I do, I'm always thinking of sowing and reaping. I always think, of, well, oh, I can do that and I'll do that and I'll help them. Uh, and, you know, when I was with my pastor, uh, you know, uh, in fact, uh, when we got married, uh, we've been married for about a month and I wasn't do- Chris was on the praise and worship team. I wasn't I wasn't doing any, anything in the church. I thought, well, I need to do something in the church. So I went to the pastor, pastor, uh, you need me to do anything? I mean, I, you know, I'm not doing anything in the church right now. Anything I can help you with? He goes, well, you know, what can you do? I said, well, you know, and the only thing I thought of was. In the, in the short time I was there, the sound was terrible, right? Feedback, you know, you ever know what feedback is, right? The mics were on too hot, so there's squealing in the, in the things. You couldn't hear the instruments. And it seemed like to me like the, they needed some help in the sound. I said, well, I don't know how to run sound. I never ran a sound system before. I said, but this is what I told them. I said, but I have the grace to learn technical things. Because, you know, I was trained to be an engineer, and, you know, and I've always been technical, right? And anything wrong with that? You know, I was telling Brother Randy, uh, uh, one time I said, you know, someone said to me, they said, you know, if you have any other talent, uh, and they were talking about me specifically because I, ha- I have a degree in engineering and I was an engineer for many years. They said, if you can do anything, in other words, if you could be an engineer, then you're not qualified to be a minister. Now, that seems really odd to me that, that, that the Lord can't give you more than one talent. Uh, you got one thing that's your life for the rest of your life. And what I have observed is that many people are always trying to put me in a box. You're the, you're the technical guy, right? And I can do technical things. I do a lot of technical things, but that's not my call. My call is to preach the gospel, right? Along the way, I'll use my talents to do technical things to aid in my preaching the gospel, right? Uh, and so, but a lot of times, oh, you're the technical guy, so you're going to do, you know, this right here. And, um, you know, and so that's what I told my pastor. I said, well, I... I don't know how to run sound, but I have the grace to learn. And he said, all right, well, you go, go help him with the sound, you know, whatever, whatever he needs. And so I went to the sound man and said, hey, uh, pastor would like me to help, you know, if you kind of just show me, you know, I've never run the sound system before. I don't know what all that, you know, I mean, literally we had a soundboard that had a thousand buttons and knobs, right? A thousand buttons and knobs. Uh, and uh, what's that one do? What's that one do? Why'd you turn that one? Why'd you do this one? And man, I asked so many questions, right? What, what, why is that one blue? Why is that one green? How can, you know, why is that push button? That one turns, you know, what, what's, you know, what's this whole thing for? You know, what's a channel, right? What's feedback? You know, what's, what's, a, uh, what's gain, right? Anybody know what gain is, right? And what's, what's gain? What's, you know, what's, what's the slider for? I mean, you know, a thousand questions, right? Uh, uh, you know, and we won't go into all the, all the technical things about it. That's not important. Uh, but, uh, but I learned, you know, and two weeks later, the sound man quits. <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything I said. I wasn't trying to take his job. I was just there to help. I mean, I really wasn't like, I'm going to get rid of this guy. You know, I'm going to show how good I am. I'm going to get rid of this guy. That's selfish ambition, right? Oh, yeah. My job was to help. Yeah. And that's what I told my pastor. I said, I can, I can, do, I can learn anything that's technical. No problem, right? That was my gift. And I said, I need you to sing. That is not my gift, right? <laughs> all, I, all I've got is somebody. I need somebody to sing on that mic over there. I said, well, I can sing, but you're going to have me turn down to zero every time, right? So, I mean, I could do it, but it won't really be helpful to you, right? So, uh, and so that's what I, you know, and I, see, I didn't say, well, you know, I only want to do this. You know, now, if he said, you know, the only thing I can do is this, well, that's fine, right? Uh, but sometimes people only want to do what they want to do, but oh, yeah. sometimes you don't need to do that. You need to do something similar, but this thing over here, right? Well, no, I don't want to do that. Well, that's all I need you done, you know? Uh, and, you know, and a lot of times if it's something simple, like I need somebody to straighten up the chairs. Well, you know, most people could probably do that. Some people could probably do it better than others, but, you know, most people could probably do that, right? Well, I don't want to do that. Well, that's what's needed, right? And so, so you know, and so I spent a lot of years with my pastor doing technical things. I wrote a lot of computer software for him to uh, manage his, uh, all of his tapes and to print out all of his labels and to print out CDs and, and cassette tapes and figure out how to uh, get multiple cassette tapes. You know, they used to, they used to uh, use just a, t- a double-decker cassette tape to duplicate all their tapes. You know how long it takes to do that? 
you know, they're not designed to do that, right? So it's going to take several minutes per tape. Well, you, you know, you uh, back to cassette tapes, you know, you get 10, 20 requests a week. You know, it takes a lot of time. And so I figured out how to get duplicators and then multiple duplicators. And we could duplicate eight, 10 cassette tapes at a time, you know. And I mean, a lot of it just I mean, I can't tell you how many hours I spent because I could do it. And it was a help to the pastor. Right. And, and I always saw it as sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. Uh, no thanks. You know, I spent, uh, he said, well, I, I want to start putting out some, some series of, of messages. And I want to start with this one right here. Uh, and um, it was two cassettes, right? Two cassette series. Uh, it was on, on, um, on having your mind renewed. And um, I said, I can do that. I'll design the cover. I'll design the label. I'll figure out how to do all this right here. You know, I got some, I got, uh, he really liked the way another ministry did it. So I got theirs and basically shamelessly copied their whole design and layout, you know, and uh, even used their picture. I used his picture, but, um, uh, and had it all, you know, hours. I mean, so many hours, you know, you remember the late nights I'd spent up the, that room up there, you know, figuring out how to do all this, you know, and things I hadn't done before, but I knew I could do it eventually and um, figured it all out and, and got it all done and handed it to him. You know, here you go. Here's your very first, uh, tape series. He goes, man, this is great. He said, can we do it in color next time? Uh, and he actually didn't even say, this is great. He said, uh, wow, can we do it in color next time? You know, not even a thank you. You know, and it was rare. I spent 20 years with him. Rare, if ever, he said thank you for the hour. I mean, thousands of hours I spent helping him over the years and, and glad to do it. I mean, I don't regret a single, a single minute because it was always sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping, right? Uh, because the Lord gave me those talents and I want to make myself meet for the master's use. Uh, in fact, I remember, you know, after he died, you know, and, uh, he died in 2007. And, you know, we had given lots of money to that ministry. Right? We tithe, but we also gave lots of offerings to the ministry, whatever the Lord told us to do. You know, I mean, I don't know. I never did add it up, but lots of money right over the years. And after he died, somebody came up to me because, you know, he wasn't perfect. Someone said, don't you don't you wish you could get all that money back that you gave to him? I thought that was the most pathetic statement I've ever heard because, see, that's that's me giving money to get something back from somebody. He didn't owe me a penny. I gave it all to the Lord Jesus, you know, and, and don't regret a penny, not even a, not, not even a half a penny, because I always gave it as sowing and reaping. I never gave it with, well, what am I going to what am I getting out of it? I know that the Bible does say given it shall be given unto you, but that's not why I, I don't give to get. I give because the Lord instructs me to give and I want to be a, a, a generous uh, sower. Not just my money, but also my talents, right? Who I am. I want to give my life, right? Because it's easy to write a check sometimes, but I need you, I need you an hour next Thursday afternoon. No, 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 I don't want to do that. Well, you, what else are you doing? Well, nothing. But you can't come help me? No. Okay, you know. Meet for the master's use, right? So let this mind be in you. So, you know, you can take, uh, you can take 1 Corinthians, 2 Timothy, and Philippians, and all of those are the exact same story, right? All these exact same thing that Jesus was meet for the master's use, right? He was a vessel that the Lord could use to accomplish the plan of redemption. So for us, I'm not going to accomplish the plan of redemption. You're not going to accomplish the plan of redemption. But what are you going to accomplish for the, for the Lord's use, right? Are you meet for the master? When the Lord said, I need somebody that will run that sound in that church and not have the microphone squeal every time somebody sings. And I didn't know that that was my job for the next 20 years. I, that, you know, I just went up there and said, I'll be glad to help, right? Now, as, as it progressed, you know, and, and we'll, we'll get on to the, to the next thing here, but a, as it progressed, you know, I always knew that I was called to the ministry, but I knew, I knew that my path to the ministry was going to be through that church. I didn't know how that was going to be, but I knew that all I knew that the Lord said to go to that church. And so that's, so I knew, okay, that's the next step, right? Uh, and so, uh, so I just gave 100% while I was there. Uh, my life, my, my finances, who I was, my intellect, my talents, my abilities, everything poured into that ministry. And don't regret a, a minute of, of time or energy or penny of, uh, of effort for that church. Um, but I also knew I'd be in the ministry. But I, I knew that to, in order to be in the ministry, I've got to sow and reap. And so, you know, about halfway through that, that transition, I was talking to an associate pastor, said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be a sound man forever. Someday I'll be in the ministry. Now, he was in the ministry. Uh, and, and, you know, um, well, I won't say that, but uh, uh, he said, and he looked at me, he said, I don't ever see you doing anything but running sound. I thought, that's really odd. I mean, 
If you told me my faith is to do something, you know, whatever that is, then, I mean, if you don't ask my opinion, you know, and I, I mean, I, okay, praise God, go do it, you know. What are you doing to prepare to get there? And, you know, how many hours did I spend studying and reading, you know, long before I was preaching and teaching, right? Uh, I'd still study and read and, and, and do those things, still had my library of stuff before, you know, I had, a, I had, a, uh, I had this uh, original Bible program, you know, um, and I thought, and I, I emailed the guy that wrote the software. I said, hey, it'd be really nice to have this particular, uh, I want a Dake's Bible online, right? A Dake's Bible in a digital format. Uh, man, it'd be great, you know, if you could have a way to add other resources, you know, here. Uh, and the guy just sent me back and said, Dake was a heretic. Right. <laughs> uh, well, you know, whatever, you know, I mean, you know, uh, blah, 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 right? So, so, but I would try to find ways to make my Bible studying e- easier and better, you know, more effective. Uh, and so, so, you know, now I'm in, in the ministry, right? But so I'm in the ministry because uh, I was meat for the master's use. You know, and he said, I need somebody to go to Dayton, Tennessee and start a church that teaches faith. Well, I, Lord, I, I'll do that. And it was the easiest decision in the world, wasn't it? We loved living in, in, uh, in Putnam County, where we were from, right? Loved it. Dude. We, our, all our kids were born there, went to school there, you know, got married there. Loved it. Lord said, I need somebody to go down there. Now, what, what about all the other churches? There's not anything against the churches, right? But this church does what it, what it does. We teach people faith. We teach people how to live by faith. That's our call, right? That's, that's our mission, right? Uh, and uh, I know, I mean, in, gen- in general, our mission is to advance the kingdom of heaven. But specifically, the way I do that, is to teach people how to live by faith. Uh, and glad to do it. No problem. Well, you know, it won't start out big. But is that a requirement, Lord, that it has to start out big? You know, uh, it, it just, uh, he just said, I need somebody to go. Lord, I'll go. You know, and that's not, he didn't really say I need somebody. He wasn't like a throwing a question out there. He just said, Lord, what do you want us to do? I want you to go down to Dayton and, and start a church. Yes, sir. Be glad to do it, right? Uh, and I remember the day we made the decision. It was the easiest thing, right? And, and, and immediately, as soon as, he did that, as soon as we made that decision, all the grace to stay where we're at was gone. We couldn't get out of Dodge fast enough. The second before that, we loved where we were at. Everything was fine. The second after we made the decision, it was time to go. It took us a year and a half to get here for extenuating circumstances, but, but we traveled, you know, hour and a half one way uh, twice a week, right, for, for a year and a half because um, we, we didn't have a... Um, uh, we didn't have a healing school back then, right? Uh, and so, so are you meat for the master's use? Is that mind in you that was also in Christ Jesus, right? Uh, you know, I just, I just feel like uh, where we are today as a church, not this church in particular, but where the church is as a whole, there's so much competition for our time and energy. Mm-hmm. So much competition with the internet and with, with social media and you know, things to do and, you know, what, whatever the thing is that competes for our time, you know, television and entertainment and friends and family and anything wrong in particular with any of those things, nothing wrong in particular with those things, but that's not the master's use, right? Now, I know, you know, it's not about just your nose to the grindstone for the rest 80 years of your life, right? No, he, you know, there, the, 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 there is plenty of time that we can enjoy life, right? Plenty of ways that we can enjoy life. Uh, but are we meat for the master's use? When he says, I need, remember he said in Ezekiel that he, he looked for a man, a single man to intercede. And he said he, he, went, he looked through the whole earth and how many did he find? He didn't find any. He was just wanting one. He couldn't find a single one, right? Uh, and, you know, today it seems really hard for, you know, especially you know, certain groups of people, you know, they, they like doing their thing. Well, we do our thing. You know, we don't really we don't really do that. Right. Well, we don't you know, we don't really help, you know, the church or anything like that. Um, but it's all sowing and reaping. Where are you going to be tomorrow? Right. Where, where are you going to be the day after tomorrow? You're only you only are where you are because of what you did yesterday. Right. You only are where you are successfully because of what you sowed yesterday. And if you didn't sow yesterday, there can't be any reaping tomorrow. Right. And so you should always see uh, like Jesus did. Because eventually it says, uh, you know, we've, we've got more to read than, than all of that, but I'll just read, um, I'll read just the next verse there so that we, we, uh, we won't get to it today. But after doing all that stuff, it says in verse 9, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's the fruit of the sowing that Jesus did 
because his mind was to do whatever the Lord asked him to do. Right. And so he was given a name that's above every name. He was highly exalted. Uh, and what we'll find out later on is this word exalted is the only time in, in the New Testament where this particular. So we see the word exalted a lot in the New Testament. But this one is the only one that's here because it's the only one that, it, that describes sufficiently how exalted Jesus became because of what he did. None of us will ever get that exalted. We will be exalted, right? We'll see later on that we can be exalted, but we'll never be exalted that much because nobody can ever get to where Jesus, you know, even if we, we all think we have the mind of Christ, none of us will ever, re- and that's okay, right? That's because later on it says, Here, here's, here's where you're going to get to, right? If you do everything right, here's as far as you can get to. And I'm good with that, right? If I can get to that part, because we'll see how good being exalted as human beings can be, it's pretty good, right? So we can get there, but we'll never be the son of God, right? We'll never be the head of the church. We'll never be sitting at the right hand of the Father, right? That, that's, we're never going to get there, and that's okay, right? Because that's the only, only one who could do that was the Lord Jesus. You willing to die for everybody on the earth who hates you? No. You'd be like, no, let them all die, Lord. You know, I mean, you know, just you know, keep me, right? And I mean, you know, none of us would have made it. We'd be like, you know, zap, you know, you, we'd be zapping everybody, you know, you know, hex on you, and they'd be gone forever, right? And I mean, it'd be... It wouldn't be good for us to all have the power of the Most High God, you know, in us like that. But um, uh, and so, you know, I, I know we, we've kind of gone over this, uh, these same verses a little bit. Uh, but these are these are verses that these need to need to define who you are as a human being. Right. Lord, you've given me all this ability, all this intelligence, all this, you know, whatever. Well, I'm not smart. You've got hands. Right. So there's things we can all do. Amen. Uh, and. I want to be meat for the master's use. Amen. And yeah, that means you've got to burn the midnight oil sometimes. Yeah, that means sometimes you've got to do things that, are, that nobody thanks you for. Sometimes you've got to do things that only you and God sees that you've done. But if you really believe in sowing and reaping, it's perfectly fine. Because I, I know uh, in my heart that the Lord Jesus has seen everything I've ever done. All the hours that I spent for my pastor that were completely unthanked, right? He never thanked me for them. Uh, and, and even he was mean to me for many years, right? Just, just mean, right? As much as I helped him, as much as I did for that man, he was so mean to me, right? About I love him, I miss him, I wish he was here, you know, I got, I got no ill will towards him, but we'll have a talk when we get to heaven. You know how me, I know, I know, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, and he'll know he's mean, right? In fact, he'll come to the, yeah, all those stories, they were all true, right? Uh, and when you get to heaven, you'll, you'll find out they were all true, right? I think you believe me now, but, um, but see, th- those verses leads up to, uh, uh, and it, and he has been highly exalted. But he was only highly exalted because of sowing and reaping, because of what he did. This mind was, mind was in him. Lord, let me be meat for the master's use. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, you've given me all this talent, all this ability. Use me how you see fit. And I will not regret one day, one minute of time. Uh, and and I, never, I never say, well, that was a waste of time, right? Helping them, that was a waste of time. It's never a waste. If, they, you know, if I give a dollar and they burn it in the ground, I give a dollar. Lord, you saw me give that dollar, you know. I'll never say, well, I wish I didn't do that. I never say, I wish I didn't give. In whatever capacity, right? Financially and, and physically and mentally, whatever capacity. I never, I, because I know the Lord is a God of sowing and reaping, right? And so I never, I never ever regret doing anything for anybody. You know, sometimes it, it's, it's painful to having done it in the sense that, you know, they're unthankful or whatever, but, but uh, I don't regret it because the Lord sees it all. Amen. And if I sow it, I'll reap it. Amen. Someday in the future. And, and so praise God. Uh, so we could do that. So we'll, uh, we need to look in a little bit more details in verse nine. And I want to just uh, uh, go through a little bit of what, what uh, how Jesus was exalted differently than how we can be exalted. Amen. Uh, and so we'll look at that uh, next week. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that you have been so good to us, Father. You've given us talents and ability in the very breath we breathe, Father, you've given us these things. And so, Lord, we want to be meat for the master's use. Vessels under honor, Father. Uh, a vessel that, can be, that you can use to carry your power to the earth. A vessel that you can use to carry uh, peace to the earth. A vessel that you can use, Father, to, to assist other people. That you can put talents and abilities in us to carry them to whatever people need help with in the earth. And Father, because of that, we thank you that uh, you are a God of sowing and reaping. And we, th- we thank you that if we sow, Father, that in due season we will reap, Father. We will faint not. 
And so uh, that is the mind that was in Jesus. Let this mind also be in you. So, Father, we will think like Jesus thinks, that there was never a wasted breath, never a wasted moment, Father. The woman at the well was not a waste of time. The woman caught in the very act of adultery was not a waste of, of Jesus' time on the earth. Talking to Zacchaeus was not a waste of time. Talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Herodians, Father, was not a waste of time. Uh, even if they didn't receive what he said, Father, they still had the opportunity to hear. And so, Father, I thank you that Jesus was so willing to, to even if it looked like a failure on the outside, on the inside, he knew it was a moment of sowing. And, Father, sometimes he was able to reap uh, in their lives, Father, but he always reaped from you for being willing and obedient. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Help us, Father, to let this mind be in us, to be like the example of their master. And so, Lord, we'll do that. As you instruct us, we will yield and we will say yes. And, Father, we will raise our hand boldly like Jesus did uh, because he's our example. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. And, and um, you know, in all of those things, you know, the one thing that... that I never want to do is I never want to beat anybody up. Well, if you were, you know, if you were a servant, you'd do this, you know, or if you if you loved God, you would help, you know. <laughs> you know, uh, in my uh, the way that I prefer to do things is here's something we need help on. And if you can help, that'd be great, because well, look, we all got stuff to do. Right. We've got families. We've got responsibilities and everybody's not able to drop everything at the at the at a moment's notice and help. Amen. So I'm always thankful for people that can help. And I never think, well, why didn't they help, you know, because I don't know what's going on. Amen. And I'm not your God. And, and so I don't I don't harbor any will. Well, you know, if you love God, you'd really look, you help where you can. And, and uh, we leave it at that. Amen. Uh, and, and that's and it's the same thing with with any situation. Amen. Uh, don't 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 uh, get on. A, don't do things out of condemnation. Amen. And so let's get ready to receive this evening's offering. And and if you want to, we'll go see the, the church after a while. The, the floor looks really nice. And it really uh, complements well the color of the walls. And um, it's really a, a nice, fresh uh, coat of paint, the color in the walls. And you like it, right? Oh, so yeah. come ahead, Mr. Jared. So you might as well like it because it's there, right? And, and, um, and so I know he laid all that floor uh, in a day. I mean, it's, and yeah, less than a day because he left before we did, right? Slacker. Uh, and uh, I mean, we, we were there long after he was there. And uh, and we didn't get our job done. So <laughs> and so and there was three of us uh, and we still didn't get it done. Uh, uh, what's that? He knew what he's doing. We, we almost figured out what he was doing, uh, but we broke the tool after a while, didn't we? Right. <laughs> we got to fix the tool tomorrow. So uh, all is well. Right. So appreciate you all coming out. Be blessed. And, and uh, uh, you're dismissed.